Welcome to True Talk on WMNF 88.5 with Ahmed and Samar. It's uh, me in the studio today. And today we'll be speaking about the uh, holy month of Ramadan. I also have a guest, local community leader, that will be joining me uh, a little bit later. But uh, Ramadan is a month of fasting for Muslims around the world. One, well, they say one in uh, five people in the world is Muslim. And um, I happen to be one of them. So we'll talk about that and more uh, when we come back. This is True Talk on WMNF. To True Talk on WMNF 88.5. Um, this is, uh, that was a song by Meher Zain called Ramadan. Ramadan is actually a name of a month. Um, it's on the uh, Muslim calendar. Uh, like the Jewish community, Muslims also follow a lunar calendar. And um, the, the months, there's 12 months in the year. 
and each month has a name, and um, Ramadan happens to be the name of this month. And for uh, Muslims around the world, Ramadan is a special time of the year. Uh, our show, if you're new to our show, because our show's been uh, on WMNF for something like over 15 years, but it's uh, used to always be on Fridays. But now we're in a new, new slot on Thursdays, so you may not be familiar with the show. You may be a new listener. Um, but usually the show is about uh, global affairs, politics, international relations, especially things doing with the um, Muslim world in the Middle East. We talk a lot about Palestine, Israel, and the conflict there, or the occupation of Palestine by Israel. Um, but uh, the co-hosts of this show, myself, Ahmed Badir, and Samar, um, while we're American, we also happen to be Muslim. And that's part of our identity. And just as you can be American and Christian, American and Buddhist or Hindu or American with no religion, America allows for all of that. And um, essentially that's what America is. It offers this freedom of religion or freedom from religion. So whether you a person that believes or doesn't believe or agnostic, whatever you want, um, part of our founding documents what this America is about, the contract uh, that the people uh, sign on to here called the Constitution um, allows for all of that and forbids the government from interfering with religion. Um, so, you know, one of the, uh, while America does have its flaws, many of them, um, which uh, we hope and continue to, you know, try to improve, it does have this freedom of religion where uh, that's missing in so many parts of the world. And uh, like other people of faith, Muslims also uh, benefit from this freedom of religion, which should be essential. I mean, it's a God-given right to uh, believe in whatever you want to, that there shouldn't be coercion in religion. Um, and what kind of God would want you to be forced to practice or to believe in something, you know, because you're forced into it? So for Muslims, Ramadan is a special time of the year. Um, it's an entire month where we fast uh, from food, uh, from eating and drinking during sunlight hours, from dawn until sunset. And we're not the only com religious community that fasts. Catholics fast. Jewish, the Jewish community also fasts. Um, we're not the first um, to do it, so there is obviously precedent. But we're unique in the sense that we do it for a period of 30 days, and we have to abstain from eating and drinking um, from uh, day, you know, during daylight hours, from dawn until sunset. Other communities have different types of fast or for a different length. Uh, for example, the Jewish community, they'll fast on Yom Kippur for almost uh, a little over 24 hours from sunset uh, on the eve of Yom Kippur until the next sunset, I believe. Um, but that's, you know, one day. We do that for 30 days, but it's not 24 hours. Um, it's for, you know, about, depending on where you are, uh, it's about an hour before sunrise until sunset. So for us, it's about 14 hours that we're abstaining from these things. And it's eating and drinking and also uh, sexual relations with your um, with your partner, with your spouse. Um, that's also not allowed. So, but after sunset, you can eat and drink, and uh, you can be, I guess, 
do what you want. But it's kind of weird because our schedule ends up being completely upside down. Um, that normally, you know, you wake up in the morning, you have some coffee, uh, you have a breakfast, you may go for lunch, have dinner. But now for us, we can't do any of that. We actually start eating at sunset. So that actually becomes our breakfast. And um, we also have some... So in Arabic, that breakfast is called iftar. It's actually... The word breakfast comes from breaking fast. So when you break fast, uh, it means you haven't been eating and now you broke your fast and that's why it's called breakfast. So our breakfast becomes at uh, sunset. And then we also... There is a tradition within Islam to also, uh, for Muslims around the world, to have a small meal you know, about an hour, an hour and a half before sunrise. And in Arabic, that's called suhoor. So it's a light meal that's supposed to hold you over, um, a snack, uh, so you can, you know, make it through the day. And um, it's not only about abstaining from eating and drinking, as we'll get into that a little bit more. It's also about um, uh, just being a better person. And the whole purpose of it, it's designed, God tells us in the Quran to attain more piety or to be closer to God. Um, in Arabic, uh, God's name is Allah. Um, it's not a different God. It's just that's the Arabic word for God. So, for, for example, there are Christians in the Arab world. Obviously, Christianity started in that part of the world. And um, Christians who are Arab or Arab-speaking Christians also call God Allah. Uh, so it's not because sometimes... <laughs> Um, when you're listening to or watching the mainstream media here, you think that somehow the way you talk about uh, the God of the Muslims, it's somehow it's a different God. For us, we believe it's the same God, the same God of the Christians, the same God of the Jews, that there's only one God. Uh, just people call him uh, different things. And I, I use it, the pronoun of him only um, because that's what he calls himself. But he actually says about him that he has no gender, that he's not nothing like anything uh, in this world. So it's not actually, you know, it's not a human being. God is different from anything what we can imagine. But joining me in the studio is uh, Brother Hamza Ali. Uh, Brother Hamza, you, please turn on your mic there. Is your mic on? And pull it close to you. Yeah, yeah it's the, the mic turn on button is not actually on the mic, but just pull the mic closer to you. Is it? Yeah, you got it? Okay. All right, welcome, Hamza Ali. Assalamu alaikum. Alaikum salam. Also, put on your headsets. Obviously, I got to hear. Right? Yeah, so um, because of the pandemic, we haven't been in the studio for a long time. So this is actually, I think, my first in-person interview in the studio since the pandemic started. So welcome. You're in re-inaugurating our studio here in our show as a first in-person guest in a long time, I don't. I'm not sure if you feel yeah, that's special. special or anything. <laughs> yeah, that's a special thing. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Maybe I'm over exaggerating, but welcome, uh, Ramadan Karim, to you. Uh, Ramadan Mubarak. Yeah. What is uh, we're talking about Ramadan? We're going to talk about a few other things. Mm -hmm. um, what does Ramadan mean to you? Ramadan means to me, uh, uh, it's a point of refresher. What does that mean? Um. Like, you know, like you may have your car, your shoes or something and you haven't wore them or drove them in a while. So mm -hmm. you're like, let me clean it up, okay. make it look nice before I take it out so people see it. I look at Ramadan as a time for the Muslim to refresh himself. What, what, which part of themselves? Their inner self, their 
all parts, actually, spiritually, mm-hmm. physically, emotionally, mentally. Okay, let's start with the physically. How, how are you refreshing physically? Uh, by detoxing the body. From? Um, a lot of the foods that we consume, mm. um, impurities that we may put in our bodies, even halal things that may have certain things that we don't know that we're ingesting from processed foods to... So when you say ha- even halal things means halal is Arabic for what? Permissible? Yes, things mm. that we are allowed to consume. Like you, could, As a Muslim, you're allowed to consume junk food, but it doesn't mean it's good for you. Right. Or mm. it doesn't mean you should. Right. Well, so, what are you prohibited from consuming at normal times or year-round? Uh, alcohol, for okay. one. Yeah. Um, all alcohol, wine, beer, everything. Yes, all okay. of it. Um, but, I mean, people know Muslims, some Muslims who drink, you know. Yeah, it, it happens, just but, like cigarettes. Okay, so cigarettes you shouldn't be smoking. No. Okay. And a lot of, I, you know, a lot of brothers would like to say, well, you know, they didn't have tobacco during the time of the Rasulullah, so I said them. When you say Rasulullah is who? That's the Prophet Muhammad. You call it, Rasulullah is, you're using Arabic words, but you're not Arab. Yes. Okay, yes. but... But just because our audience doesn't know Arabic, so just I'm translating. Okay, okay, okay. So we'll be more um, friendly to the non-Muslim. It's not friendly, just uh, using the lingo. I mean, you can use whatever lingo you want, but whenever you do, I'll you know just okay. update them. But you're saying at the time of the Prophet or right. the Messenger, peace be upon, peace him. be upon him, that uh, they didn't have tobacco. Some some people say, well, he didn't. There wasn't tobacco back then, so it wasn't banned. Why are you banning it now? Right. Mm. But when they will ask me, I will tell them, if you look in the Quran, Allah, he says that we should not do anything that calls harm to ourselves or other people. Yeah. And how cigarettes, obviously, there's research that shows it cause harm. Okay, let's, so normally you're not allowed to, in all times, you can't consume alcohol. Right. Um, but uh, or, or what else? What about eating food things? Uh, well, we shouldn't eat pork. You shouldn't, you shouldn't, or you're not allowed? You're not allowed to. Okay. And we shouldn't even be thinking about consuming it, but um, that is an impure thing that we should not eat food-wise. Um, anything that is um, carry-on, that's the English term that they use in the Quran for, like, uh, scavengers. Mm. So, like, raccoons, possums, things of that nature. Okay. Um Predators, like lions and mm-hmm. gators and okay. things of that nature. And they have some gator bites. I see them advertised. You shouldn't be eating that. No. Okay. No. All right. No. Uh, so that's normally now in during Ramadan. Um, all these things you're that you're supposed to eat, you can eat everything else with the exception of the pork and the alcohol. And so, but now during daylight hours, you're not even allowed to eat. Right. What's or normally permissible to you? What, what's you know? How does uh, what's the idea behind that? You're saying detoxing the body. What else mm-hmm. is it doing? But it also gives you a chance for people that have never experienced poverty, mm-hmm. or to know what it's like not to have an option to eat. Mm. You able to relate to that person, okay? To the starving person or the person that. Um, is deprived by maybe not by choice in a sense or just does not have the means to eat. Yeah. So they have to sacrifice some time. So now you get to be able to relate to that person. I mean, if you think, yeah, that's, I mean, if you think um, about it, eating and drinking 
brings pleasure. Like people eat. Yes. I mean, you're supposed to eat to survive, but people also eat, you know, fancy food or tasty food. People have their different likes, and they're like, "Oh, I want this meal." Mm-hmm. It also brings some sort of pleasure, yes. you know. And then what? Some of the drinks, not necessarily even, you know, not alcoholic. People enjoy their coffee. People right. enjoy certain juices. They, you know, some shakes, um, um, you know, nutritional stuff. Right. So there is pleasure in getting that. It seems like to me. That during day, daylight hours, uh, during Ramadan, even the things that bring us pleasure were somehow um, stay, staying away from during a specific period of time, which is basically like for us here, 14, 15 hours. Um, it also, doesn't it give you some sort of discipline? Like you discipline yourself, control your urges? Most definitely it does. It gives you a time to realize like how you are most people, because most people don't think that they're controlled by certain things, mm. but we are. What do you mean? Um, for instance, I've, I've noticed people that when they're stressed, they call it stress eating, right? Okay. Um, so they get stressed out. They go pick up donuts. They eat ice cream. They eat things of this nature. So during the month of Ramadan, it gives you a time to actually see who you are, mm. what triggers you, what, what, and what do you do when you're triggered. Because, you know, people would be like, oh, I want to stop eating, but it's hard. I want to lose weight, but they don't know how to because they don't know the things that are triggering the excessive eating or how to find the restraint. So during the month of Ramadan, it gives you that time to be able to be with yourself, okay. to, to see who you are, see what triggers you, what is the cause of certain things, and then find a solution to it. So if, if they're somehow dealing with anxiety or stress by eating or doing harmful things, whether it's drinking, people drink, people do drugs um, to be able to, whether it's to mask the pain or to numb themselves. But now in Ramadan, you're not, a, you're, you're not allowed to even you know, eat during those times. Uh, does that force you to turn to something else yes. for the relief? What, what? It forces you to seek First of all, a better solution to the problem. Mm. And during this month, we have been taught to seek the guidance of Allah. So when you're faced with these difficult situations now, you don't have the crutch of the food or whatever you may consume to um, temporarily absolve you of the issue. So now you turn to your Lord. And you eat, we read the Quran or we come to brothers that have knowledge of these things to help and guide us to how we find the proper solution or the solution that will give us a permanent fix to the issue as opposed to the temporary things we are using to mask the issue that won't go away. The Quran, well, is, a, you know, for us as Muslims, and if you're just joining us, this is True Talk on WMNF 88.5. You didn't just tune into the uh, Christian uh, hour or the Muslim hour. This is actually True Talk. We normally talk about global affairs, but today we're talking about Ramadan because it's the month of Ramadan. I happen to be a Muslim. I'm the host of this show or one of them. And I think uh, Muslims are misunderstood in this country, and, and, and so is Ramadan. Muslims, uh, and my guest is Hamza Ali, um, a young leader from the community here, uh, which we'll talk about more about him in a, a little later. Um, 
Muslims follow and uh, believe in uh, a sacred text called the Quran. What does the Quran say why we're supposed to fast? I mean, it, it is, isn't fasting um, like ordered in the Quran? Yes. In the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says that I have made fasting prescribed for you like it was prescribed for the people that came before you. Mm-hmm. So For what? To learn self-restraint, to um, find balance in self. I think the word, the translation, because the Quran was revealed in Arabic, the translation for taqwa is uh, uh, piety. Piety, yes. Um, but I guess it falls into all these things. And the way I he- heard it before, and correct me if I'm wrong, that if you're able to control yourself during these hours and discipline yourself and you know not... To be, you know, I guess, I don't want to say the word enslaved, but like, you know, addicted to coffee or addicted to certain foods or like you're breaking free from your regular routine. If you're able to discipline yourself and control your urges with the things that are normally permissible to you, that gives you the strength that after Ramadan, you're able to control yourself from the things that are even, you know, bad for you. Like you're, you're, so on one level, like you're, you're, like you said, it's a refresher, but it's also an exercise and a practice and self-restraint to, to better yourself. Right. Um, that's how, uh, you know, somebody explained it to me but before. Also, do, you find, do you find it that to be true? Yes, because scientists have done a lot of studies. Mm-hmm. And they say if a person does something to a point of a certain amount of time, it becomes habit. Okay, so maybe 30 days is, becomes a habit? Yes. Okay, that's interesting. So if you can go 30 days, let's say you're a smoker, mm-hmm. and you're trying to break the addiction of smoking, but now during daylight hours, you can't smoke because smoking breaks your fast, right? Even though it's, you're not supposed to be smoking to begin with, but you can't actually do any smoking during Ramadan because you can't eat, you can't drink, you can't, can even have a, you can't even have a sip of water. Nope. You can't like have chew gum. You can't put anything in your mouth um, that would provide you any type of relief. It's not like, oh, you're fasting, you know, have some Gatorade or, you know, have a, uh, you know, some some sort of nutritional drink. Um, even like I, I was hearing the imam the other day, I think it might have been this morning, he was saying even if you get like an IV, you know, uh, of nutrition or something, that also breaks your fast. And, and Only way you can get that is if it's something that's detrimental to your health and you need it. Yeah, but I mean, it still breaks your fast. Yes. And then you just have to make up that day. And, and we'll talk about, in the, uh, about that in a second, how you make it up. But um, so let's say you're, you're addicted to smoking and now you can't smoke. Well, 30 days of controlling yourself and not having a cigarette during daylight hours. And obviously at night you'll be sleeping at least, you know, some of the night. So that will reduce the amount. If you can control yourself during that time, maybe you chew tobacco or whatever, that that would definitely help you break that addiction if you do it right, it seems to me. But key word, you said if they do it right. Yeah, if you do, but I still see these people sometimes, right? Iftar time. Uh, iftar time meaning like time when the sunset happens and it's time to eat. Instead of going to eat... They just step out and have a cigarette. Yes, because they've just, been nicking for it the whole day. Yeah, you know? it's just like those people that go on the flight and they can't smoke on the flight. You know, for if it's a long flight, as soon as they get out of that door at the airport, uh, they're in the smoking section. Um, so, what about the? That's a physical. What about the spiritual? The spiritual it gives you a time to reconnect. Because you're not as busy running around as you usually do. If 
like we say, you're doing it correctly. You will be um, studying, so you will be reading Quran, or you will be listening to scholars or watching lectures and things that on topics that you knew coming into Ramadan you probably needed to work on. Right. So you're doing the research to find the balance and reconnect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala during this time to get your relationship to become stronger with Allah. How is that important? It is the most important thing in life. But why do I say it's the most important thing in life? Because in life, I find that we put a lot of things before God. Mm-hmm. We idolize, we worship, we, we, it, it, it can be your job, it can be what you, what you like to do for a living, whatever it is, you put this before God and then you start to question yourself about what is my purpose, what, do I, what, what, what drives me, but God should be the one that drives you. But was there a time when you didn't have this connection? Yes. because so, I grew- Can you tell a difference? A big difference. You were saying, what were you saying? You grew up. Yes, because I grew up a Christian. Okay. Um, right. Christians have connections with God, don't they? Yes, but the way we are taught is a lot different. Mm, what it, do you mean? It seems like we're far removed from God. How so? In the sense that, because I grew up in churches, my 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 family, extended family owned churches. So all of us as children, my grandparents, my aunties, uncles, everybody, we all went to the same church. And even as a child, like, we would be taught certain things and I would feel a certain type of way about it. And then when I would ask them about it, they would just tell me, oh, you're supposed to to just believe or don't question God. And it didn't make sense to me. How young were you when these questions came to your mind? I was preteens. At preteens, you were thinking about this. Yes, I mean most preteens that I know, or a lot of them, they're not, or unless they're not expressing themselves, they're not really talking about God. They're just into their video games. But uh, I don't know if you grew up during well, that era. I was born in the eighties. Right? Okay, you're an eighties so, child. Yes. Okay. So I grew up in the nineties. So you know, video games wasn't that big yet. We had what Nintendo. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, the game Mario was, Brothers. Yes. Yeah, so games really weren't that big and. You know, as a child, any child, you when they get to a certain age, they start to question everything. Mm-hmm. They ask you, mommy, daddy, why this? What is this? Why is that? So when we will go to church or when we will go to Sunday school or Bible school, um, I will always ask questions because we will be having certain topics and reading certain verses and chapters, and I will want to know why. And you're paying attention. Yeah. You have a choice. You you raise in the church, you have to be example for everybody else. Was this a black church? Yes. And that's a, did, were, were there white people in your church growing up? No. So uh, that's another thing that, you know, surprises me because, you know, I was never, I was born Muslim. Mm-hmm. And the whole concept behind like segregated religion here in America is just so, it's kind of, it's, it's weird to me because um, that's not how it is in my mosque. So you have like black churches and you have white churches. Yes, but it's like that because of the neighborhoods. Okay. The neighborhoods are, yes, we are integrated, all these type of things, but we know that it's still... Uh, segregated. Seg- it's, 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 it's known. Mm-hmm. 
And it's not like, oh, you can't be in this neighborhood or you can't move here. It's just blacks live here, whites live there. Mm-hmm. So when you have churches, you may have some churches where you have people that live in the neighborhood that are white and they go to the church, but it's not like the norm. Okay. You know, so it's not just like... And you may have it the other way around. Right. In white neighborhoods, you may have, but it's not... It's not the norm. Yeah. It's not like, oh, I'm going to this church because they are integrated in there. You know, it's Mm -hmm. just, this is a church you go to. Okay, let's just... So, just uh, because that's not the topic. The topic is Ramadan. But you're saying uh, when you became Muslim, you had this connection. So, Mm -hmm. you were talking about how important this connection is with with God. Because when I embraced Islam back in 2010... When I started to read the Quran and study Islam, it gave me a more in-depth view of who God was. Mm-hmm. Because in in Christianity, it's like God is removed from the people, and then you have to go through these intermediaries. So it's like you don't you don't have a direct connection to God. You always have to pray to somebody else to be able to communicate with God. Right? And, and and Islam was teaching you something different. Islam was saying that there's no intermediary. You want to talk to me? I'm right here. Mm. But you know, we can go into that topic of No, we'll we'll talk about another another time. So and I think that's what you're saying is uh, you know, interesting because in Ramadan that connection is so much stronger. Right. And, and I'm not sure it's because you know, you're removing the food. It seems like when you're not, you're not full. You know, your stomach's not full. Your kind of awareness is heightened. Like you have a higher level of awareness. I Everything. Mean, I mean, you even hear about people like in Silicon Valley and you know, um, executives and stuff that are doing intermittent fasting, and they say that they have more energy. They're able to focus more when they're not full. So some of them are doing this intermittent fasting, not only. Because it's healthier or they're dieting, but also just for their state of mind. They're able to accomplish more, they're more efficient. So when you remove that, it just seems like, yeah, during Ramadan, your uh, senses are more heightened, Mm -hmm. you're able to uh, connect more. You're, I don't know, for lack of a better word, you're kind of vibrating at a higher frequency. um, And you're more in touch with what's happening uh, around you as fear. Spiritually, at least that's yes. the way I feel. Science proved that, though, because you have to think about it. When you eat food, right, drink anything like that, the blood has to, you know, focus on breaking down. So, you know, more blood is going towards your stomach and your digestive system to help break down the food, right. process it, push it through the system, all of these type of things. But if you're not, you don't have anything in your system, then the blood doesn't have to do that. So now it can go to other parts of the body. Mm. So it's now more brain function. You know, you're just like you say, all your senses become stronger because the body doesn't have to work so hard on these things. Now, I find sometimes if I overeat during breakfast, the, you know, the first meal at sunset, mm. then I get so tired and sleepy. So... And it doesn't take much. You may take a few bites and you already feel like you're full, but you feel like, okay, I need to keep eating. I didn't eat all day. And if you overdo it, you get really tired and you can't do a a nightly prayer. So now, you know, now that we're in um, like our fifth day, because Ramadan for us started on Saturday, was the first day of fasting. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have this new routine now because we're not eating in the daytime. So we eat at night, starting from sunset. And then at night, we have nightly prayers that are happening at the mosque. 
that are normally not done in congregation. Right. So at local mosques or mosques around the world, now you have you know hundreds, sometimes thousands of people congregating at these uh, you know houses of worship, and they're doing congregational prayers for thirty nights in a row. Um, so you may, if somebody in the community lives around a mosque and listening to this program, all of a sudden you have all this activity around the mosque. Nothing scary is happening. It's just Ramadan, yeah. and people just happen to be there. And uh, we're often there at the mosque up until you know it could be eleven, sometimes midnight. Um, people slow down their schedules during the month of Ramadan too. Yeah, they do. Like, like how so? Because like. You know, we always be like, oh, I got to go do this. I need to do this. I need to do that. Always staying busy. Yes. When Ramadan comes, it's like all these things that you had to do now, you're making your business to go to the masjid, make mortar prayers, in congregation, all of these type of things, because we busy ourselves with things that really doesn't do anything for us. But we just be making it seem like we're just these very busy people. But we, your body knows when Ramadan is coming. How so? Because... I can even since I've been fasting since 2010. After a while, every time Ramadan would start to get close, I would start losing my appetite. Oh, yes. Okay. My appetite would start to like fall off, like a hmm. couple weeks before. Interesting. I, uh, I haven't I haven't noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like this last month my appetite. Well, I don't know if it's appetite because. Uh, I I went to you know I was traveling and stuff and sometimes it's hard to travel and do Ramadan so as soon as Ramadan uh, starts I like to be in one place finish the month uh, but that's interesting I have to pay attention to that if you're just joining us this is True Talk on WMNF eighty eight point five with Ahmed and Summer today it's Ahmed and Hamza Hamza Ali is my guest we're speaking about Ramadan why uh, because it's uh, we're in Ramadan right now Ramadan is a a month of fasting for Muslims. Uh, 1.5, over 1.5 billion Muslims around the world. That's a fifth of the world population actually observes this uh, holy month of fasting. And uh, that's what we're doing. It started on Saturday. It's going to continue for another uh, three weeks, a little over three weeks. And uh, we're talking about what it is. Um, Muslims are abstaining from uh, eating and drinking um, and you know consuming anything. Uh, in their body from uh, before sunrise until sunset. Also, there's no um, uh, sexual intercourse or intimacy with uh, the spouse. Uh, are you married? No. No, okay. Well, that's not an issue necessarily for you right now. Sorry to put you on the spot. That. Okay, well, good luck. Shall but um, So that's another part that actually, you know, the intimacy part. Why? I mean, why is that not allowed during daylight hours during the fast? It's because, okay, my understanding is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says that the only thing, everything in Islam is for the believer, right? Mm -hmm. The only thing is for him is to fast. And when I first used to hear it and read it and think about it, I used to ask myself like, okay, what is important? What makes the fast for him over for you? When you say God basically saying that, uh, everything that the believer does, like other acts of worship, other good deeds, they benefit from it or right. it's for them. But for God, he, the fast is for him. Right. Uh, what, 
So yeah, and, what what did you what what did you conclude? And at first, like I'm striving to understand it. Like it doesn't make sense because I'm like, okay, like God doesn't need us for anything. So that yeah, but the aspect of I'm fasting, right? Mm-hmm. And I see the benefits of the fast for myself. So how is the fasting for him? Mm. So I started to think about it even more. And when I started to see it, it's because of the aspect of you're willingly sacrificing the things that he has made permissible for you to have. You saying this month, no, mm. I'm going to put them down for for you. For God's pleasure. Yes. Seeking his, obe- you know, obeying God. His or doing- mercy, his, his re, his, his, his. His guidance, his because you're love. free. You're right. free not to do it. You're free not to fast. Nobody. There's no. There's no fast police. Is right. there? We don't have like the fasting police in our community yeah. that will go around and hunt you down because right. you ate something. And also, I think because fasting is something no one can. T- the only person that can tell that they're fasting is just the person fasting and God. Right. right. Like somebody could walk around and say, hey, I'm fasting, but you don't know. They could sneak a bite here or there. They can actually, you know, go in their car and have a drink or go to the bath, you know, hide somewhere. So only God knows if you're really staying true to the fast. And it's not just fasting from food because also you shouldn't be like, for example, looking at bad things. Mm-hmm. You, know? Ain't, uh, you can't be like your anger. Your anger you, yeah. can't, you can't get angry. You can't yell. You can't get in fights. All of that will actually, you know, uh, invalidate. You're fast. Should all be positive. Somebody can't be, you know, saying I'm fasting and goes and looks at pornography or elicit, you know, images of, you know, people from the other gender or same gender or whatever. Right. You can't be doing that. Um, you have to guard yourself. So it's it's a, like you said, it's a month of det- you know detoxing from all that. But I also like to think: imagine 1.5 billion people around the world. I mean, those of them that actually fast. Um, imagine if the whole world did that for an entire month. What that would do to the earth and the resources that we have, to the food shortages that we have. Where you know now you're actually giving Earth a relief. But also, your your the the, the good that comes in that month. Right. For 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 the believer. What do you mean? We we give more. Yeah, in charity. Yes, we're more con- we're more considerate to the less fortunate. Um, in the community and outside of the Islamic community. When you say that, we're, the reason we do that, God actually tells us and teaches us in our faith that uh, you get more reward for doing acts of kindness or acts of charity during this month. So right. all of a sudden, all these Muslims uh, in this month, they'll actually do their charity or the most of their charity, they actually spend it or allocate it during this month um, in hoping to get this reward. Right. Uh, Muslims have something called the zakat. It's the mm-hmm. third pillar of Islam. And zakat is basically like a wealth charity or a wealth tax almost. I mean, imagine now in Congress actually debating whether to have a wealth tax or not. In Islam, 1,400 years ago, uh, Muhammad had this you know commandment from God, as Muslims believe, that that wealth is taxed and in the form of something called zakat. And that money is restricted to only go to seven categories mm-hmm. and mostly goes to poor people or people uh, that are less fortunate. So imagine if the world population actually you know, took out 2.5%. Like let's say you have 100,000. Of course, you have to meet a certain threshold. Mm-hmm. But if you have 100,000, and I think the threshold is something like... Um, 
$2,500 or something, um, and you pay 2.5%, you're not giving it to the IRS. You're giving it to a, um, you know, a charity that can spend it on those seven categories. Um, so if you have $100,000, you're going to give away every year $2,500. And I guess the ruling would be, and I'm really oversimplifying it, if you've had the $100,000 for more than a year. Whatever wealth you've kept uh, includes expenses outside of your normal expenses, outside of your house investments. Like let's say you have properties, you have gold, you have cash. The cumulative all of that outside of your normal expenses that you're basically hoarding or keeping or saving. That is, uh, you have to you know take out two and a half percent of that. So let's say the whole thing is um, a a million dollars. A million dollars, I guess that would be twenty five thousand dollars. Twenty five hundred pro hundred thousand. So yeah. Yeah, twenty five thousand dollars you would take out from a million. I mean, it's not a small amount, but it's still it's not a huge. It's not like you're being taxed thirty percent, um, and that's happening every year. And that's uh, God tells us that's a way to purify your wealth. So people actually, and if you do that zakat during the month of Ramadan, Allah promises to Muslims that they'll get more reward. You don't actually get that reward in this world. You actually you get it later, right? So Muslims believe in an afterlife. Yes. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about how you will get some tastes of Jannah here also. You mean you say some taste some, uh, of, of paradise in this world. What, mm-hmm. do, what do you mean? Um, it's like, you, you, you know how sometimes people will be like, it's like heaven on earth. Yeah. Right. Right. And and it may be something that you may be experiencing at some point in time, and it just feels like this is what heaven would be like if it was right now uh, at this okay. particular moment. So Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says that you know we will get some taste of that while we're here. You mm. will get rewarded and blessed to a certain extent while you're here. Yeah. But, in fact, actually, I I did hear from some of the teachers. Uh, at the mosque before that, when you do give in charity during this month or throughout the year, that God will actually increase your wealth, that you'll get blessed somehow, and it, and it happens. Like, right. and and people that are because charity is not exclusive just to Muslims. Some of our listeners who are not Muslims um, may have experiences themselves. The more they give, the more somehow you receive. You know, yes. some people call it karma. Other people call it different things. We call it Islam. It's part of life. Uh, it's our way of life. If you're just joining us again, this is True Talk on WMNF 88.5 with uh, your host, Ahmed Badir. I'm speaking to my guest, Hamza Ali, my first guest in the studio in person since the pandemic started. I think he's my first guest. I don't remember someone else. Most of our shows have been uh, done remotely anyway. So I'm really happy uh, about that you're here. You still have to wear a mask to walk in, but yes. now that you don't have a mask on, you have this barrier between us. I'm not sure if there's going to be another wave coming or not. But Ramadan also this year is also kind of special because the past couple of years there's been restrictions yes, about congregating right. at the mosque. So uh, very few people were going there. There was this pandemic. People were afraid to even shake hands. Now you have people actually going to the mosque and standing next to each other and doing all this worship. Um, mosques, I mean, masks, people are wearing masks. Some people are not, obviously. Um, but does it... Are you feeling it's like getting back to normal, like that feeling, or yes, a, a lot? Because, like I say, like it was strange. We have witnessed a lot of things in these in these times that we never thought would happen. 
in these ways. You know, you see movies all the time of all these different um, events or catastrophes, quote unquote, that will sweep through the population of people. But you always say, hey, that only happens in movies. So to see it in reality, it was a shock, I would like to say, for, for a lot of people. Mm. Because we never thought things like this were possible. Right. You know, because we've been living, most of us, like I'm in my 30s, so we've been living a long enough time and we hadn't seen anything to this magnitude. So to see it, it was kind of unbelievable. Mm. But it was right in your face, so it was like, hey, believe it, it's happening. People are, you know, things are happening. But it was it was shocking. So now for people to be out and about freely moving around again, it's kind of, you can see the, the joy mm-hmm. in people being able to congregate again, to be amongst their brothers that they haven't seen for a while, um, to actually really just enjoy each other's company without that fear. Right. When you say um, be around their brothers uh, again, uh, what about the sisters? I mean, I don't, I mean, how is that different than, you know, this type of fellowship when it comes to Muslims? The the sisters, to me, are a very important, integral part to what Islam is. Right. They have a very strong foundation in this deen. Because, like, I, I tell the brothers a lot of times, I say, most of the hadith that we have narrated, the sayings of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu are um, related by women. Mm. So it's like in most of the scholars of a particular period went to the Islamic schools that were started by the Muslim sisters. Mm-hmm. So they have a very important place in this deen. Um, yeah, I understand that. But my point was when you were looking forward, you were saying basically like this, having this uh, being around the brothers again. Because people that haven't been to the mosque, they may not be familiar that you know um, women and men worship in separately, separately at at the mosque. So when you're doing fellowship there, it's unlike a church where everybody is mixing and socializing. Right, right. Why is that different? Why do you think that in in Muslim con- houses of worship it's separated? First of all, because Islam is a way of life that is big on respect and mm. balance. And we don't mix to keep the lines clear and respectful so that men are not disrespecting women or women are not disrespecting men so that when we come together, the focus is more on God than your lust or having outside conversations or not focusing because you're too busy looking at such and such and such over here, mm-hmm. you know, or she's looking at brother such and such over but here. But if you say that in the modern time, people say, well, you know, men should control themselves. Like, you know. Yes, but why should either party be tempted when we're coming to worship and remember and think about our Lord? Mm. So why would. So it's not, because some people will say, well, you know, you're keeping the women separate or this is disrespectful or that's degrading. Mm. But you're you're basically you're saying you're actually respecting them more. Yes, but this is the thing: Islam, when it came to the 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 Arab people or the Meccan people at that time period, women's stature was very low. Okay, 
they did not have a lot of respect in their communities or in their tribes or whatnot. Islam came and raised the status of the woman. It gave them a place. It gave them a voice. It gave them immense respect. It's hard to listen. I mean, for the average person who doesn't know history or doesn't know Islamic history or doesn't know women's rights in Islam, listening to you may think, well, what is this guy talking about? We've seen how women are being treated in Afghanistan and in Saudi Arabia and other, you know, women can even drive there. So it's uh, until recently uh, they may say, well, what, is, what Islam is he talking about? That's not what we see. We don't see women being respected. So, like, how do you answer that? I tell people a lot of times when they ask me, I say, it's just like a parent. Your parent teaches you to be respectful, to do certain things in a certain type of way, but the choices of the person and what was taught to them is two different things. So, so basically saying these Muslims in these uh, communities or countries are not following the teachings properly when it comes to women. Or they're misunderstanding or misinterpreting what was being said. Right. Because you can look at a verse in, or an ayat, but for um, conversation purposes, I would say a verse. You will look at a verse in the Quran, and if you don't have proper guidance or proper understanding, then you can misinterpret something. Yeah, the women topic can be a whole different discussion, but yes. uh, let's get back to this uh, fellowship and mm-hmm. the com- sense of community right. uh, at the mosque uh, during Ramadan. Uh, tell me more about that. How is that special or w- what are you, uh, do you, do you think it's different? Or? For for me, it, it brotherhood, and when I say brotherhood, I mean men and women. It's mm-hmm. a very important part of life period. To, to have people that have the same thought process, the same um, feelings, the same views, the same focus, the same drive, it, it brings a strength to the believer. It brings a strength to the community. It brings a strength to the family structure. Because now you're able to see people like you, that feel like you, that think like you, and it's just a different type of peace. It's a different type of joy, a different type of happiness. You think this is something that's uh, part of being human, that you need that? Yes. Mm. It, it seems like it's so, in our society in America that that's so missing. There's so many people that are alone. Like the family structure is not there. They're, you know, everybody's living separate lives. Uh, they're not even in contact with their own siblings or parents. And it just seems like so many people are just like just trying to survive this world uh, by themselves. And I don't think that that's how life it's supposed to be. It's not human nature. Hmm. If you look at most people in society, they cling to something. They have to have an identity that's connected to something. You don't see a lot of people. Yeah, people may say that they're introverts. Yes, but they still have to have human interaction. Because you feel incomplete when you do not have human interaction. That's why if you're arrested or you go to jail or anything like that, they put you in something that is called confinement, right? Right. Solitary confinement, the whole something of that nature, right? Because being separated from human interaction they do it as a punishment yes yeah or in your solitary yes right when they confine you to a room by yourself with mm-hmm. no interaction with nobody else 
That mm. is the worst thing that a human can go through because you are hardwired to engage with other humans. And I guess that's why so many people in, during the pandemic were struggling, especially mentally and mm -hmm. physically, because everybody was confined to their yes. home. And if you didn't have anyone else there and you're alone, that must have been like, you know, hell. That's why social media use became so big, mm. because people were confined. They needed an outlet. They needed to be around people, see people, communicate with people. So people started to take the platforms of social media to to in bring everybody into their homes or because they needed that human interaction. Yeah, this is uh, going into, uh, you know, human uh, behavior yes. now, this conversation when we really started about Ramadan. We only have two minutes left, so I want to just get it back to Ramadan mm -hmm. and just, you know, um, how will you be spending the rest of your month and, um, and you know, what, what do you hope to get out of it? I hope to find more balance and structure with inside of myself mm -hmm. personally to to get more stronger with the community and build a foundation with the youth so that we can keep advancing as a community to become better and to keep strong in this deen and keep pushing to show non-Muslims that Islam is not a different way but it's the same way in that we can all come together, no matter what your viewpoint says, no matter what you believe. As a human race, we need to work together. And I feel the best way for the Muslim to show that to the society is that if we can come together and work together as a whole to be able to push forth to bring peace to mankind. Um, that's big things, and I hope you uh, at least work towards that. Um, I definitely, we need more peace in the world, and I guess um, if you have some personal peace, uh, it starts there. Right. Um, you can't really have peace in the world if you yourself are not at peace. Um, so this has been True Talk on WMNF 88.5. Ramadan is going to continue for another three weeks. Uh, we'll continue talking about Ramadan, maybe tell you more stories and how it's going, maybe interview more people. And this has been True Talk on WMNF. Um, Ramadan Mubarak to all our Muslim listeners uh, out yes. there. And if you know any Muslims, tell them Ramadan Mubarak or Ramadan Kareem. Ramadan Mubarak means uh, blessed Ramadan. Ramadan Kareem is uh, generous Ramadan. And um, we're fasting right now. We're not eating. I'm not that hungry, actually. No. But I'm looking forward to breaking my fast tonight. It'll be at sunset around 7.50. PM. I know it by the minute because that's when we're going to eat and, and drink. And uh, have a good weekend, everyone. This is uh, WMNF Tampa. Uh, NPR News is next. And after that, uh, more great content from WMNF. Have a great weekend.